All right, so another another pop-up show. This time it's 6 o'clock UK time. Uh, what I'm doing is just trying to find a, a time slot where there's an audience that suits me. I'm um, not particularly unorganized sleeping schedule at the moment so it has to be sometime after about two o'clock in the afternoon uh, before seven uh, i tried three o'clock i've tried five o'clock so six o'clock is another option that was suggested to me by eric that's uh, one o'clock in the states at the moment i think something like that so it's a late morning early afternoon kind of lunchtime show which might work if we can catch people on their lunch break. Then there might there might very well be people around. I, I don't know. I don't know where the audience is, or even if there is an audience. Hello, Eric. <laughs> uh, welcome to the to the studio. Uh, again, I'm just messing around trying to find a good time. I'm waiting to see if, if anybody shows up at this particular time. If, I, if they do, then I'll do a regular slot. Maybe half an hour, maybe an hour, maybe longer if people want to talk. Uh, I can't talk for two hours on, on me Todd, though. That's not something that I do. All right, I, didn't, I didn't really check to see. I just had a quick look and then hit the go live button. All right, everybody's, everybody just does their own way. I'm going to try and find a regular time, and it probably might be... Oh, I saw that one just another day in paradise. I was in there for a half an hour or so. And it seemed like, quite, seemed like they, they're just getting back into the swing of it, which is fair enough. I'm just getting into the swing of it as well, so I understand that. You've got to have something to talk about, really. I might read an article from the Daily Telegraph if there's anything on there that's worth reading. Let me have a look. Because that can, that can be content quite easily. So the Daily Telegraph. Let's see what the Daily Telegraph has to say about the pubs opening yesterday. Right, let's see what the headlines are. There's a lot of headlines about the stock exchange because it's that type of paper, but there might be something. Right, the green cell row seems to be bubbling still. Obviously, tributes to Prince Philip all over here as well.
Uh, looks like Shirley Williams has died. Let's read Shirley Williams' obituary. So I don't really keep track of obituaries, but uh, I liked Shirley Williams. She was a politician when I was a when I was a teenager. So yesterday's the obituaries yesterday. So she must have died on Sunday or over the weekend at some point. So I'll just read this. The headline says Shirley Williams, Labour cabinet minister who left the party to help form the SDP. Uh, conservatives blamed her for killing off grammar schools when in education, but she was not the prime mover of a policy she warmly embraced. So that was in the 70s. She was in government in the 70s. So she was Baroness Williams of Crosby, and she's 90 years old, so that's a good innings. Controversial education secretary and one of the gang of four who left Labour to found the SDP, eventually becoming the Liberal Democrat leader in the Lords. So I voted SDP once, I think, if I remember rightly. Warm-hearted, principled, impulsive, dishevelled and infuriatingly unpunctual, Shirley Williams had great electoral appeal, yet never quite fulfilled her promise. This is according to the Daily Telegraph. But she was Education Secretary, so she was a minister in a Labour Party government, which is pretty close to fulfilling your promise, unless you want to be Prime Minister. She was born Shirley Vivian Theresa Britton Catlin on July 27th, 1930, younger child of the semi-detached marriage of the political scientist Professor Sir George Catlin, and the pacifist feminist Vera Britton, author of Testament of Youth and companion of the novelist Winfred Holtby. Winifred Holtby. She was an egalitarian from childhood. As a minister, she flew economy to Moscow, stranding the reception committee at the first class exit. Nor did she find the Commons congenial, reckoning it was a men's club which kept women in the cold, which was true in the 70s. Very much true. A tomboy as a young girl, she dressed for convenience, not impact. At Oxford, she was known as the Shetland Pony. Margaret Thatcher told her, you'll never get on in politics with that hair. Uh, the flamboyant Tory, Sir Nicholas Fairburn, branded her a scruff. In 1940, age nine, she was evacuated to Minnesota. A performance in a school production of The Greenwood Tree won her a screen test for the part in National Velvet taken by Elizabeth Taylor. Her affections for America would survive a 250-mile at gunpoint, 250-mile journey at gunpoint in 1968, after picking up a hitchhiker in New Mexico. I didn't know any of this. This is why obituaries are interesting. I might I might make the six o'clock show an obituary show. Uh, returning to Britain, she was delayed in Portugal after the troop ship on which she and another girl had to barricade themselves in their cabin was struck by a cyclone. Right, so that's the so that's the same trip, is it? Nineteen sixty-eight. 
I don't know. It doesn't really flow as the same trip, but I think it is. Uh, she found St. Paul's Girls School shockingly rigid after America and left at 17 to work as a waitress, farmhand and chambermaid, having won a scholarship to Somerville to read PPE, which is politics, philosophy, politics and economics. She shone as first woman president of the University Labour Club and played Cordelia to the leer of future British Rail chairman Peter Parker, an early bull. All right, so they, they've got it together at, at Oxford. It's interesting to see where they're all the connections to Oxford. There's lots of them. Graduating with a second, she spent a year at Columbia University in New York After helping Adlai Stevenson's 1952 presidential campaign, she became a gossip writer with the Daily Mirror, moving to the Financial Times before spending a year lecturing in Africa. Instinctively a Gateskillite, Shirley Williams, she married first in 1955, joined the Fabians, cracking with, crackling with ideas, and in 1960 between, became their, grand, their, their general secretary. She fought a by-election at Harwich at the age of 23, and after further attempts there and at Southampton, Test was elected for Hitchin in 1964. The health minister, Kenneth Robinson, appointed her his parliamentary private secretary after Labour's re-election in March 1966. Howard Wilson made a parliamentary secretary for Labour under Ray Gunter. She took on the entire department weeks later when Gunter fell ill at the height of the Siemens strike. In January 1967, Wilson promoted her to Minister of State for Education. Conservatives blamed her for killing the grammar schools but she was not the prime mover of a policy she warmly embraced, crediting her Secretary of State, Anthony Crossland, and even more, his successor, Margaret Thatcher. Right, that doesn't make any sense, because they're both sort of Tories, so that doesn't make any sense to me, because Thatcher's definitely a Tory. Anthony Crossland, I don't know anything about, in October 1969, she moved to the Home Office, where James Callaghan delegated heavily to her as Northern Ireland erupted. Her main responsibility was prisons. She also piloted through the resolution perpetuating the abolition of the death penalty. After Labour's defeat in 1970, she was elected to the National Executive Committee and the Shadow Cabinet becoming health and social security spokesman. In 1972, Wilson appointed her Shadow Home Secretary. So she moved from, from education to Home Secretary. Her rise stalled as Labour moved against Europe. In 1971, after a special party conference voted five to one against entry, she joined 66 colleagues to back Edward Heath's application to join. She irritated Roy Jenkins' supporters by staying on the front bench, but escaped the opprobrium heaped on her fellow 
resigner Roy Hattersley. However, she fell from from first to eighth in the 1973 shadow elections, and Wilson demoted her to Price's spokesman. Shirley Williams played a key part in Labour's knife-edge victory in February 74, highlighting sour prices, soaring prices with Barbara Castle, who fumed that her younger colleague was being built up as Harold's deputy and probably the next Prime Minister. Elected for the new Hartford and Stevenage constituency, she entered the Cabinet as Secretary for Prices and Consumer Protection. A task of getting getting the unions to accept pay restraint through subsidies on basic foods, which she privately branded economic nonsense, wooing business and a statutory price code was made more daunting as inflation surged to 27%. I remember, I remember inflation at 27%. So that would have been 1974. I'd have been nine years old at that point. 27% so a fair old amount of inflation. That's prices doubling every three years, three years, pretty much. Uh, she had a foothold in economic policy, once having a stand-up row with Tony Benn in front of industrialists at Neddy and ruled on controversial mergers. Crucially, she, she appointed Gordon Borry as Director General of Fair Trading. He stayed 13 years, proving more effective during the Thatcher years than under a government he personally supported. With Labour moving leftward, Shirley Williams fought Ben's plan to nationalise 20 leading companies, and when the EC referendum was held in 1974, headed the Labour campaign for Europe. I remember that as well. I was at secondary school at that point. Night. Was I? No, I wasn't. No, I wasn't a secondary school at all. I'd be, that'd be about 10. She angered the left further by warning the public might prefer a coalition to confrontation. Opposing relief for the clear cross councillors, penalised for flouting housing leg, Tory housing legislation, refusing as a Catholic to accept abortion as party policy, demanding action against the militant tendency and backing her colleague Reg Prentice when infiltrators tried to oust him at Newham. This is all Labour insider stuff. She opposed Michael Foote's plan to give pickets more power, yet in 1977 joined them at the Grunwick Film Processing Plant, when Sir Keith Joseph christened her the Madonna of the picket line. As the dispute turned violent, she replied, I didn't envisage the whirlwind would come. I don't think the strikers did. So this is all mid-70s activism. So she left She left the Labour Party in the early 80s. I'm not reading anymore. This is just from memory. And she was one of the four people that formed the Social Democratic Party which was the more moderate wing of the Labour Party, in effect. And, and they, they were quite, a, quite a, a force in politics at the time. All right, let's see if there's anybody in the room, because I'm 
not going to read this. All right, Joel's coming. I don't know whether he's still here, but he's he's been here. Um, Blockchain DXB is here, and Eric's still here. All right, I'm just reading from the. I'm just reading something from the Daily Telegraph. Um, it's more probably more relevant to people in the UK than it is in the states, but this is just a. A political obituary. I'm not going to keep reading it though, Eric, I don't think. Because it's not all that interesting. So I've, I've taken your advice and I've opened up at six o'clock. Brexit. Brexit was interesting because I knew, I knew beforehand it was going to happen. I didn't vote on Brexit. I was neutral. Uh on the subject because I thought they were both lying both sides were lying so I just refused I just didn't participate but I knew we were going to end up leaving about three weeks before that and I was predicting that we would end up leaving so in a sense I didn't I didn't stand in the way of uh, of leaving because it would see the momentum that was happening but I was I was basically neutral because I quite a lot of I'm in the northeast and and the north of England gets a lot of money from Europe that probably wouldn't come here otherwise because the Tory governments don't didn't at the at the time give money to the north and they've got this northern powerhouse malarkey going on at the moment but up to about three years ago they didn't even know the north of England existed. Oh, blockchain, you're in the UK. That's good. I know there's at least I know there's one one or two people in the audience at six o'clock. Yeah, I was just I was really pissed off with the uh, the whole battle bus uh, millions millions to the NHS thing. I knew that wasn't a real promise, and it was obvious it wasn't a real promise. It was obviously just a lie. So the Leave campaign didn't impress me at all, but obviously they were using big headlines, which do get people's attention. And there was a lot of momentum. Nigel Farage was touring up and down the country. I remember he was he was uh, in conversation with the mother of a friend of mine when he was in Newcastle. He must I, I don't know whether he visited or whether he arranged to she arranged to meet him but they my, my mate definitely told me about the conversation he his mother had had with with Nigel Farage so there was a lot of campaigning going on I'm basically fairly apolitical I'm a I'm a member of the Labour Party but that doesn't mean that I actually do anything to support them it just means that I've I'm unemployed, so it cost, it's costing me £2 a month or something to be a member, which I'm all right with. I don't mind doing that because the Labour Party's work, worked for workers' rights and 
social responsibility and all those types of things for years. So I think they deserve a little bit of support here and there. So I'm mostly neutral on a, on a lot of political things. I've, I've got opinions about universal credit. I'm not impressed with that. It's, uh, it's, it's clearly designed to push people into poverty and force people into jobs that are unsuitable. And it was designed that way. It was designed by Ian Duncan Smith to push people into poverty so that they would take the lowest paying jobs in the country. I don't know about that blockchain. Um, whatever the US does in terms of printing money, it's going to be it's in dollars. All right, yeah, I know. I, I I had I had Bitcoin seven years ago. Uh, that cost me three hundred pounds, and I sold it when it went up to five hundred pounds. So I made two hundred pounds profit on the deal. But I didn't have any money, so I needed the money. <laughs> uh, I should have held on to it, really. Thinking back, it would have cost me a lot. Of, it, it would have it would have got me a lot of a lot of extra cash if I'd held on to it. Yeah, I can't do anything with Bitcoin at the moment. I've got no spare cash at all. I'm living on universal credit, so it's a. Uh, it's a struggle to even get money to do anything. If I if I want to do something, I have to not eat for the day. So when the, when the cinemas open up, I'll be able to get in there for a pound because I'm on universal credit. But if I had to pay full price for anything, then I can't do it because I'm living on £74 a week, basically, which is just about enough to cover food and uh, and pay some bills but it doesn't cover all the bills by any means so i'm not impressed with universal credit i'm in a i'm living in a housing association uh, apartment so i'm i'm really uh I was in a place that was just horrible and I managed to get this place with direct, directly applying to the housing association. So we've got Sean who's arrived now. So we've now got th three people in there in the chat room. So I know roughly speaking there's an audience, so that's a, that's a good thing. If there's an audience at, uh, at 6 o'clock, I'll keep showing up at 6 o'clock. So I think I've moved my times for the shows for the rest of the week to 6 o'clock. My six o'clock my time, whatever that is in the US, I'm just 
I'm going to focus on on the timer here because it's too complicated for me to translate everything into US time. One o'clock, is it? Thanks, thanks, Eric. Yeah, as long as there's some kind of an audience, I'll keep I'll keep showing up. So it makes it a lunchtime show for the rest of the country, really, doesn't it? It makes it 11, 12, and one for the for the the western end. It would be a lunchtime show. So that probably affects what I'll do. I'm I'm probably gonna gonna read from the Daily Telegraph website. Just do and just do some either read part of an obituary or read part of a news article, something like that. That seems like a reasonable format. Uh, but it'll be UK focused mainly. I'm not going to get too involved in, in US politics. The Daily Mail goes for goes for clickbait headlines. So I'm less I'm I mean the Daily Mail's alright, it's right wing. It can it's critical of government quite a lot of the time, but it's coming from a right wing point of view. Um, and they go for clickbait on the website, they go they go for big uh, big headlines that get people's attention, which is, which is fine for what it is. Um, the Daily Craft Telegraph's a bit more sober in their approach, so I'm probably going to go for the Daily Telegraph as far as headlines are concerned. I might have a look at the Daily Mail sometimes and the Times sometimes. I'm subscribed to the Telegraph, though, which means I can get to the, the stuff that's on behind the firewall. Um I don't. I don't think I want to subscribe to the Times at the moment. I might, um, but that won't be till the end of the month. I might give it a give it a try, and see see what kind of articles they've got on on there behind the firewall. Because anything anything that's uh, potentially going to be good content, I'm interested in. Uh, Sinu's just arrived, so that's four people in the chat room now. So we're we're building up a little bit of an audience. It takes takes half an hour though, I think, before people show up. Yeah, I think I. To me, I I want something that's got a bit more meat to it than Twitter. If I'm looking for content, I want something that's got a bit more a bit more substance to it. Reddit again is Reddit's okay. I'm on there. I'm mostly I'm mostly just dropping and out of Reddit. I don't really participate very much. I'll take a look though. I mean, I'm I'm open to to all possibilities. My phone's just automatically tweeted the last sentence that I that I said. It's it's activated the it's voice activated the Twitter app and posted some gibberish. No worries, blockchain.
I think what I'm probably going to do is just just sit and gibber on to myself for the, for the next quarter of an hour and clo- close up at quarter to the quarter to seven my time. So I'll do if I do half an hour, forty five minutes at six o'clock, then I can get something to eat and maybe jump on again at eight o'clock my time. For another half an hour or so. I don't know. I might watch some Netflix tonight. I haven't made my mind up. It's still quite cold in here as well. I need the heating on. But my priority at the moment is food because I'm starting to get hungry. Right, Eric, I haven't I haven't done anything. So here we go. I can see you now. All right, are you here? I'm I can hear you. Um but you know, like um if you're like selective about who you like take take calls from like on the podcast, like you know, I know you would have like a disconnect option, like when they're calling in that you would basically refuse to connect with them. Um, But, you know, if, if you wanted to structure your show on, you know, you know, you know, getting to know people in the chat and not just taking random calls from people you um, aren't too familiar with, because I've, I've noticed that with a couple other podcast shows. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm happy to get to know people. If, if I've, if I've been in somebody's podcast, yeah or if you decide to publish like shows that look and sound more professional yeah i mean i'm i'm not publishing everything i do live anyway what i'm probably going to do is i'll do i'll if i want to publish something i'll invite people Mm -hmm. i would think once i've got to know a few people i'll i'll work out who's available and invite people to have a conversation about a particular topic or something like that. But the shows you don't plan on publishing are probably shows where you might have friends join you and and y'all just like shoot the shit or, and I know like the shows that you, you would never publish or like if you decide you want to like play music. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I wouldn't really publish anything if I'm just messing about. Then it's then it is literally just messing about. If it if I'm online and it says just messing about in the title or in the description, then it's probably not going to get published. Uh huh. But like tonight, when I was reading that that article, I might I might publish the first quarter of an hour or twenty minutes or whatever it was when I was reading the article. But but just chit chat, I don't think I will publish. I have to work out how to edit this properly though as well. That's the next stage. Yeah. Um, well, you, you know, or if you, you know, or in the event you decide you want to do, do something worth publishing, you know, and, and as long as it, it, it stays like on topic. Yeah. I mean, one, once I get, once I get regular and I get to know a few people, then I'll do that. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, and, and I, I, you know, I could really see you and, 
you know, and, you know, Larry, who goes by the the screen name, like Freedom Warrior of the Freedom Fighter podcast, I could see you and him really becoming fast friends, along with maybe a couple other people who would be, be able to join your shows. Right, okay. Yeah, he, he's following me now, Freedom Warrior. I saw, I saw he was, uh, was on yeah, the follow. Yeah, so, so that you'd probably definitely follow him back to where you could probably catch his shows live. And yeah, I'll take, I'll take, I'll, I'll keep an eye on things for him. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm at the moment. It, I'm still only a week in, so it's just a matter of finding my feet. I'm happy. I'm happy to do. Just well, it, it's going to take time because th- th- things don't happen overnight. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at the moment, I'm doing half an half an hour a day, forty five minutes a day. It's kind of it was, as long as I find a regular time, which six o'clock is is all right for me doing that. Uh huh. So I can do. I can like do I know you got shows scheduled tomorrow and Thursday. So, um, and and yeah. I know you've already got a few shows published. It looks like so. Um, so, so and you know, shows that you especially feel feel most comfortable with. Yeah, I mean, if it's just if it's if it's me talking to myself, but I've actually got a topic, then I'm fine publishing it. Uh, which I did the other day. Yeah, you know, something that you feel is relevant. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I'm, I'm not. It's not. All, I'm not particularly political. But when I'm, when I get political, I can talk. Because I'm, I, I, I do occasionally get into a situation where there's a topic that I want to talk about. Uh, but mostly, it'll well, be you, you definitely got to watch the da- the download numbers on the on the published shows to see which ones are are very good and. You know, and and that particular show, you if, if if you get like big download numbers on it, then you know you're doing something right. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's all it's all just adapting to the audience because there's a different audience here. And and you like knowing how to connect with them as well. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, so it'll work out as it goes. But if I'm if I'm here regularly at six o'clock my time. And people get used to me, then it'll turn into a call in at some point. Yeah. But yeah. until it you does, know, and, and I can see you maybe having that potential to invite some big names on, in like, like at some point, like if you were fortunate enough to interview, you know, a big name in your area that's interesting coming on and talking to you, and you know, yeah, I've you really, know, hopefully I've, you might expand out to do simulcasts, say, like on a YouTube live or Twitch. And then publish even some of your best video episodes for Rumble if you decide to go that far. Yeah, I've got an account on Rumble already for the. I do a radio show on Saturdays, and I publish that on Rumble and on YouTube. Yeah. So um, it's just kind of. I, mm-hmm. I don't think I can do simultaneous uh, live streams on on the laptop that I've got. It would probably clog yeah. everything up. But I'll. Well, I'm, I'm sure you'll probably at some point invest in the needed equipment for it. Yeah, yeah. Well, when I when I've got some money, I don't have any money at all at the moment. But uh, when I've got some money, the new laptop's definitely on my list. Right. But in in the meantime, it's one one thing at a time. I reckon one thing at a time. So if I can once I can establish this as a regular thing and as a if I can get enough content out of out of five half an hours a week or five hours a week to publish two or three podcasts a week, then I'll be happy. Right. 
and and you know, and, and besides, you know, like you know, pod pod being like like uh, ho- hosting like your you know like your archives. I mean, I'm sure you'll probably add additional podcatchers like Apple and Google and Spotify and Pandora at some point to carry your shows and go and try to reach a bigger audience. Yeah, I think I've already done that. I'll have to double check it, but I, I, I certainly- because I know the minimum is like fourteen dollars a month. That's U.S. currency, but um, yeah, you know, I don't know. You know the, the right y'all y'all pay monthly in pounds for the for the hosting, but 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 I know the prices go up depending on you know your distribution to additional platforms. Right. Um, yeah. And then and I know like um and you might occasionally have people come in your shows and um and drop like gold bean donations on you like whether it's like the clap or the coffee or love or or any other other gifts that people might feel feel interested in, in dropping on you which. Normally they don't have to do that, but I know you would appreciate that because all it does is up your engagement numbers, and then and and I know you would probably have a zero tolerance for people who come in to troll, bully, and harass and stalk people, and and, and come uh-huh. in under unflattering usernames. Yeah, I don't really do that sort of thing. Because so if, if you see if you like see a guy named Nick come in, um, or or or, or see, see something like where they're like trying to go to you and set. set saying like a racial slur i know yeah i know you're you're not even gonna acknowledge their username but you're, you're just gonna like casually block them or or you might designate somebody like me or or a trusted friend of the podcast as a as an admin to where you know they can block those fake troll accounts yeah yeah i'm not interested and anybody in who um you know just you know breaks rules like because like if you if you have like a listener who comes in and you know, and it's almost like they they, they want to. You know, if they have something to say to you, it's like you you you'd be willing to address them directly. But but if they're gonna attack somebody in the chat or on the call panel, I'm, you're you're gonna have a problem, of course, because we yeah. have that rule that no one should be allowed to attack another person anonymously. Yeah, I'm. I'm I just like things to be professional. Yeah. <laughs> so, and and so respectful. I'm- Exactly. Yeah. So I'm not interested in anybody trolling anybody, really. If you want to, if you want to call people names, then do it somewhere else. Don't do it in my yeah. in my studio. Because, or, or you're probably just going to automatically block block them if they're going to be disrespectful to, to other people, and you know, or di- or disrespect you to the point that you don't want them back. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'll do, I'm going to try and try and keep everything professional, and try and keep everything kind of reasonably well well researched i mean i don't mind talking off the top of my head but i like if i've got something specific to talk about then i prefer to do a bit of research first yeah or at least have some some way of like reading an article while i'm while i'm talking so at least doing live research at at the very least but uh we'll see as long as as long as it stays professional i'm I'm happy. I don't mind sit, sitting around talking to myself. It's something I'm reasonably used to doing anyway. And um, I don't know if you're going to probably like, you, you said something about wrapping this up five minutes and take a 15 minute break. Yeah, I'll, I'll wrap it up about quarter two, so a couple of minutes. And then I, I want to take an hour or so because I've got to eat. Well, and then, when you probably also got other like, you know, like family commitments around the house before you come back on later. Yeah, 
I'll come back on about eight o'clock maybe and see what's happening then. So that um, would be about three p.m. my time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I am going to wrap it up now, Eric, because I do need to have something to eat. Well, it was good talking to you today. Um, um, twice, in fact, I believe. Yeah, yeah. I'll be popping up all the time now that I'm now that I'm working out where I want but, to be. Um, I think like the, like the additional podcast shows. Um, I, I would definitely rec- recommend you give like the John DeVito show and the slightly serious show and Cummings' culture a follow. If, even if you're not always able to catch their shows live, you you can listen to some of their published episodes on download. Um. Because yeah, I, I think these these are some good friends that I'm sure you really enjoy. Yeah, I mean, I'm following all of these people. I think the slightly serious show I'm definitely following. Cummings, oh, is yeah, or, or just you know, just, you know, unless you'd already followed them a while back, but you know, but um, but I'm I'm sure you would really enjoy them, and I'm sure John Devito would even be interested to have you on his show sometime to do like a you know a get to know your podcaster interview and try to generate some traffic to your show. Right, okay. I'll keep an eye on that as well then. Yeah. Because I know with here on Podbean, I I just see us as like more than being just friends. It, you, you would almost get the feeling like we're, we're like family here because it's almost like, you know, pe- people have gotten to really know each other and welcome people with open arms. And and like if you're a spiritual person, um, you, you would almost feel like people that – the majority of people in here that you've never met in person, you, you would actually get the feeling of like you've known them all along or knew them in a previous life or something. Right. Yeah. I, um, I do kind of get that vibe sometimes with people. And I've got to, I've got yeah. to wrap this up, Eric, but it's been good to speak. Yeah. And then Lara and pink squirrel are, are, are a couple more good friends that I'm sure you probably enjoy if you ever see them around. Right. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. but I'll see, see you later, Dennis. All right, Eric, take care. I'll be back in a, back in just over an hour, I think. Hour, 15 minutes, all right. Yeah. See you later, man. Um, look forward to seeing you then. All right, dude, I'm going to close it. <laughs>